0: The following audio is from Citizens Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're interested in getting involved with our family, visit citizenscharlotte.com/connect.
1: Good morning, Citizens Church. My name is Sebastian. I'm a member here at Citizens Church. Our scripture reading is going to be out of Psalm 62. If you'd like to read along, please read the underlined portions. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balance, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them.
0: Good morning, family. Good to be with you. My name is Garrison. If we haven't met, I'm on our leadership team. We're in week five of our series, Rhythms and Formation. We've been looking at the different spiritual practices and disciplines that help us to be with Jesus. And actually, as we do these practices, God actually uses them in our life to shape us and form us away from the world and towards Him. This morning, we'll be looking at the disciplines of silence and solitude. Uh, In my experience, whenever I've heard those practices get mentioned, or whenever I've talked about them, there tends to be two pretty polarizing reactions. A couple different things tend to happen. Some of us hear silence and solitude, and you're like, this is the best day of my life. Like You're telling me that there are disciplines where I get to grow in relationship with Jesus by not talking to people? Thank you very much. Best sermon ever. And others are like, this sounds like the worst thing you could possibly tell me to do. I have to sit in a room alone for an extended period of time? What are you doing? It tends to be pretty polarizing. Depending on your personality, you could either love it or hate it. So up front, I just want to say this. Different spiritual practices in this series are going to present different difficulties for different people. We don't have to like all of them. Depending on your wiring and even your personality type, you may find these more difficult than others, and that's fine. But we have to be careful not to let our personality and preference determine our level of obedience or discipline in our walk with Jesus. You can't just say, I'm an extrovert, so I don't do silence or solitude. Can't just say, I mean, I'm an ENTP, seven wing six. I love fun. You know what's not fun? Being alone. I'm going to stick with the feasting because that's a good one. Same way, you can't say, if you're an introvert, you know, I'm going to do silence and solitude and just kind of, you know, isolate and ignore other people. That's not really what it's about. We don't let our personality wiring determine what we do or don't do, especially when it comes to following Jesus. That puts us on really shaky ground and actually, even more than that, I would, I would argue that the reason that silence and solitude are polarizing, is not just because we don't like them or do like them. It's actually because we don't quite understand them. We don't understand what Jesus is actually inviting us into. So that's where I just want to start this morning. The invitation of silence and solitude. And that's this. It's withdrawing from the routines of life to be still with God. Withdrawing from the routines of life to be still with God. Often in the scriptures, we get this invitation. We get reminded of our need to be silent and still before the Lord. One of those places is in Psalm 62. So if you've got a Bible, you can open up there. We're going to go through it real quick. This is Psalm 62, verse 1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. So the psalmist opens up with this reality of speaking that we are in need, that we are not God, that God is God, we are not. We are shaky and we need a fortress. We need salvation. We need a refuge. We need him. Keep going. Verse 5: For God alone, O my soul wait in silence for my hope is from him he only is my rock and my salvation my fortress i shall not be shaken the psalmist is repeating himself right he's telling his mind And with and with his actions, he's telling his body that I need to wait before the Lord, that I am not enough. I need him. He sees himself rightly and he sees God rightly. And he says that the response to doing this is waiting in silence before the Lord, sitting still and quiet, waiting on him. He's placing his hope intentionally with his words and his actions in God. This is the response to him being his salvation, his hope, and his fortress. Finish out in verse 7. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times. O people, pour out your heart before Him, for God is a refuge for us. Our souls wait in silence for God. We seek God, we seek His voice in silence and solitude. We're saying this both with our words and our actions. And what we're saying is our lives are actually about Him, that we need Him. And not just that we need Him, but we want Him. That's what the psalmist is saying here, that in light of the truth of who God is, that he's our salvation, that he's our rock, that he's our fortress. What do we do? We withdraw. We withdraw into his presence as a refuge and as a restoration and reset of what we value because our hope is in him. Because of that, we wait. We wait in silence because there's something about the quiet there's something about the slowness and the stillness and withdrawing from our routines and norms that's incredibly valuable to our spirits, to our souls, to our lives. We get alone and we get quiet to seek God, to align ourselves with what He says matters. And we actually get to reorient our lives around what He values. Now, the Psalms aren't the only place where, these, where we see this laid out, where we see this invitation. Nowhere do we see this more than in the life of Jesus. These verses were lived out in his life. He walked in silence and solitude regularly. There are times throughout the the Gospels where we see Jesus frequently pulling away from the demands of his ministry to just get unhurried time with his Father. Let me just show you one example. Flip over to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 13, a little setup for Matthew 14, we get uh, a little description of what happens to John the Baptist. So John the Baptist uh, was Jesus's cousin, actually, and his whole life has been dedicated to going around and preaching that the Messiah is coming and that the Messiah is actually Jesus. He identifies him and he gets put to death. So he gets imprisoned at the beginning of this chapter by King Herod in an incredibly unfortunate turn of events. He gets beheaded for basically no reason. So that's the setup. Look at verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. So we see that what Jesus does once he hears the news of his cousin John the Baptist's death. He goes into the quiet. He goes into a desolate place, is how it says it. To be by himself, to grieve, to be with God in an unhurried way. But the crowds eventually find him as they do when he goes away. So he enters back in to his normal rhythms and to his ministry to care for these people, show compassion to them. And then another problem comes up where we got 5000 people here and we're in the middle of nowhere and it's dinner time. And what are we going to do? The disciples are like, hey, Jesus, we got to send these people away. We can't feed them. We have no money, man. What are we doing? And Jesus is like, You know, I'm Jesus. I got us. So he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. Literally a kid's lunchable because, you know, he's Jesus. He does what he wants. Skip down to verse 2. See what comes next. And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So you might think that Jesus is just an introvert here, right? You might be thinking, this is my type of guy. Like, he's just a little peopled out. It's getting him some me time, going back into solitude. Is that what happened, though? Is Jesus getting peopled out? Not really. What we're seeing here is the pace of Jesus' life. We're seeing his intentionally crafted pace of life. We see him withdraw after he hears the news of John the Baptist to be with God. And then he re-enters into his normal routines to minister, to care, to to do miracles for the people. And eventually he sends them away to go be alone. And obviously he re-enters into normal life again. This is all intentional. Just like with all of the other practices we talked about, we see a balance here. We see Sabbath and work, fasting and feasting, hearing from God and talking to God solitude and silence and togetherness and community. This is an intentional pace of life. This is the pace of life that Jesus is inviting us into. In in uh, places like Matthew 11, just a few chapters earlier, he says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is what silence and solitude are actually all about. Resting, being with God, being unhurried, getting away from our normal routines and rhythms. We withdraw from our norms to just sit with God, to be still with him, This is one of the primary ways that we actually get to align ourselves with His will and hear His voice. We find God is a refuge, and we also get to reset and see Him rightly and see what matters in our lives. We adjust the pacing of our lives with silence and solitude, and by withdrawing, we re-engage later, just as Jesus Himself did. This is a beautiful and refreshing pace of life that we're invited into. Now pause. That's just a little different, is it not? Is that just a little bit different from what our culture would say, how we should live our lives? I think it would fly in the face of our cultural norms. I don't want to assume anything about your life and what the pace of your life is like, but it, in general, this is uh, our, our, our culture goes in the opposite direction of what the Bible is inviting us into here. While we may even often feel the, the pull to slow down, where we feel pushed and uh, where we just feel overly busy and hurried and distracted, we, we just can't. We feel this push of our culture where we're just formed into these busy creatures that can't just find this right pace of life. We're very easily counterformed away from the slower, intentionally crafted pace of a life with Jesus. We ended up going towards busyness, workism, distraction, and overstretching ourselves to our detriment. And I think the danger is that we tend to not even think of it as a problem. Just think, of course, I'm an adult now. Like, yeah, I've got too much on my plate, i got a lot of work to do. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? This is just a part of growing up. But in reality though, what we're doing is we're valuing what our culture says we should value. And we value it because it entices our sinful hearts, that our hearts are already prone towards self-reliance and self-absorption and doing things without even a thought towards God. It entices us to rely only and always on ourselves and never on God. Our God becomes our calendar. We try to find refuge on our own. And we end up losing a grasp on what God's actually up to in our lives and what he's inviting us into. And honestly, we just kind of become okay with it. We just settle. Because withdrawing, slowing down, doing something different, it's just a little unrealistic. I just got a lot of things on my plate. In reality, this is not a schedule problem. It's not even a priority problem. It's a sin problem. Sin corrupts everything, including our pace of life and the rhythms of our lives. And specifically, I think there's two major ways that this happens. Two ways that we unconsciously get counterformed away from the invitation that Jesus gives us here. And those two things are noise and hurry. Noise and hurry. So first one, noise. Our culture is just oversaturated with content and media. There's always something to watch. There's always something to listen to. And we're pretty much constantly always looking at our phones, watching something on Netflix or whatever other platform there is. Because there's so many now and listening to Spotify or podcasts or whatever else. And the stats don't lie either. Let me just read you a few. The average American watches five hours of TV a day. It's almost 2,000 hours a year. You also listen to three hours of music a day. Recent study found that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. Gamers are doing well. The average gamer, 65% of the population in America, plays a video games seven hours a week. Ninety million Americans listen to a podcast at least once a month. We're up to 750,000 unique podcasts. Uh, The average time spent on social media for a 25 to 34 year old is two and a half hours a day. And along with that, there's an average of six six hours of the day spent on the internet. And those stats don't even take into account how we use just background noise, right? Where it's just like, yeah, I got home, or I'm driving. And it's like, yeah, I'm doing the laundry. I'm doing dishes. I'll throw on this show that I'm not really watching, or I'm listening to this podcast, or whatever. Just noise at all times. At some point, you got to wonder if we're doing anything other than distracting ourselves with noise. And it's not, I'm not even saying that it's inherently sinful. I will say that at some point, you got to ask though, is this how we're taking refuge from. The, the hard parts of our life is with noise and distraction. It just becomes impossible to do nothing and sit still. How often do you find yourself, well, just maybe at coffee, maybe waiting for somebody at lunch, your friend's a little late. How often do you find yourself just picking up the phone? You don't want to sit quiet because that's kind of awkward. So what do you do? You just start scrolling through again, even though your feed says you're totally up to date. How about when you're sitting at a traffic light or just driving and you finally realize, oh, I'm in the quiet. What do you do? You turn on the radio, immediately put on a podcast, Spotify. What about when you get home from a long day? Is it just Netflix? Sit down, start scrolling through a bunch of trailers and realize I don't really want to watch any of this. So I turn on Hamilton for the 10th time. How about when you're praying or reading your Bible and then 10 minutes in, you realize I just read a verse, and I've been thinking about this show the whole time. I started to realize how uh, problematic this is in my life uh, a couple weeks into the quarantine, so probably six or seven months ago. I remember there was one night where we were just doing our community group, and we were all Zooming, and I was sitting there, we're checking in at the end, and I was just saying, you know, I feel a little apathetic. I'm feeling maybe just like, I don't really... Feel like I have a purpose right now. Like this just seems so weird. I don't know what I'm doing right now. Afterwards, you know, people told me the truth. They encouraged me. It was great. And afterwards, I'm getting ready for bed, and I'm picking up my phone, and I get this message, and it's that message that we all love to get, where it says Garrison, your screen time, uh, your screen time report is in this week. It's up three hundred percent. I won't tell you the number because you don't need to know. But here's the deal. In that moment, after my iPhone shamed me, I realized that my spiritual health is way more correlated to that number in that report than I thought it would be or want it to be. And I think that's actually true for a lot of us, that our spiritual health is pretty related and correlated to how much time we're spending watching and listening And it's not to say that all those things are inherently sinful. But the problem is what happens afterwards. The imprint they leave on our minds and our hearts where we're just still thinking and feeling the things that were happening when we were watching or listening. Uh, But we're not just consumed by the noise from devices or media. That's not the only place. Some of us are consumed by the noise that comes from those around us or even inside of our heads I think many of us would find it difficult to live this pace that Jesus is talking about here just because we really don't like being alone. That it's uncomfortable. That we get afraid. We get really afraid when we're quiet and alone. Because we start to see what's actually going on inside of us. We're scared. We start to think am I missing out right now? And Are people going to replace me? or Forget me? This is part of the reason that the quarantine was so hard for so many of us. You start to relive some past experiences that are uncomfortable and shameful you maybe even start to think while you're alone you start to replay things from your day or from your week where you're just kicking yourself over the things that you said or did and you're just like what am i doing our shame and the lies that we believe are can be just as loud and as distracting as anything we hear or see or watch we really struggle to just be still and quiet, get uncomfortable with these pauses and silences. And we end up not being able to see where God's moving because we're just afraid to do it or too distracted to try. But Jesus actually invites us into something better than what noise offers us. And that's real refuge. By withdrawing into solitude and silence, you get intimacy with God It's what your soul really needs, is a refuge, closeness with the creator of the universe, with your savior. You resist the pull of the world and the noise of the world by just being alone and silent before God. and the slowness, and the stillness, you see Jesus and hear his voice more clearly. The way you start by this is just small. You don't have to start with anything crazy. You don't have to go up on a mountain alone for a whole day and night. Just try to capture the minutes in between your meetings, on your ride to work, or your downtime at home. You just need to sit and think, God is with me right now. God is my refuge. I can just be still and present right now. I don't need any noise. I don't need any distraction. I don't need to take refuge in anything other than my Savior. When you're driving in your car, don't turn on the radio. See what happens. When you're at the stoplight, when you're waiting for your friend to coffee, just be still and present with where you're at and let God be there with you. When you get home, don't turn on the TV first thing. Stop and listen. Listen for his voice. We get to rest in his salvation and his grace. Our noisy souls need this and we get refuge in God through silence and solitude. That's point one is noise. Number two is hurry. Hurry. We struggle to have any margin in our schedules. They're just packed to the brim. We struggle to fit anything in going from one thing to the next, whether it be work or another side hustle, friends, family, activities, whatever it is. But this isn't just about our schedules. Hurry isn't just a rushed or frantic disposition. It's the posture of your soul. It's not about your usage of time, but the state in which you go about. We're spread thin, and we're always anxious about what's coming next. We feel like we've just procrastinated, and now we're stuck doing the next thing, and we're always thinking about the next thing while we're in the moment, and then we can't enjoy the moment. We can't be present because there's too many things demanding our time. Do you actually see this as your enemy? Do you actually see this as something that's taking away from your relationship with Jesus and those around you? Do you actually think of the alert on your phone while you're reading your Bible as your enemy or as another work meeting on Saturday that you probably should have said no to as your enemy or taking on another side hustle or commitment while you're always just increasing the speed of your life? Do you see that as a problem? Because I think what tends to happen, especially with us, is we see it more as an asset. We wear it as a badge of honor. Our hurriedness and our busyness proves our importance. We find so much of our identity and worth and value in all the things that we can do and how much we can handle. And yeah, we say things like, you know, I'm just so busy. It's so hard. But really, you're saying, I'm just so important. Look at all of the things that I can do. What happens is we just get stuck focusing on our tasks and how efficient we are and how self-reliant we are in it. And it all just keeps us externally focused. We, we don't know what we feel. We don't know what we believe. Can't, your soul can't wait before the Lord like we read in Psalm 62 if everything in your life is about hurry and speed. Your soul can't wait before the Lord if everything in your life says you prioritize something different. Hurriedness and the high pace of our lives, they just leave us with anxious hearts and spiritual listlessness. We end up missing out on what God has for us. We end up valuing the wrong things. There's it's, it's actually not an accident. Look back at Psalm 62. It's not an accident that the end of the psalm ends with this warning in verse eight. It says, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion and the balances they go up. They're together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. This is a warning to us because God wants us to reorient our lives around the right things, the things in life that actually matter, which is Him. Not riches or lack of, not your success or busyness or hurriedness or all the things that you can do. The Bible is saying that if those are the things that you orient your life around, you're living in delusion and you have a vain hope. Silence and solitude, they invite us into something else. They give us a solution to our hurriedness, and that's to reset in what Jesus actually says matters. We reorient ourselves around Him by waiting and being. Still, this invitation into silence and solitude should be like a breath of fresh air to us. Instead of being enslaved to this noise and the hurry, you get to withdraw. You say no to your schedule that's filled with noise and busyness. You get quiet and alone with God so you can find Him as your refuge and reorient your life. Slow down. The world is going to be okay with you for an afternoon. Once again, start small doesn't have to be anything crazy. If your job or your family allow for it, communicate in advance. Say, hey, I'm going to take 30 minutes to just be alone with the Lord this morning. I'm not going to respond to your text. I'm not going to respond to the calls or the emails. I'm just going to be alone. And it builds from there. Maybe it it just looks like taking an afternoon to be alone, going for a long walk or drive around the city or journaling, or just 15 minutes in the morning. It may seem small, but in these moments, God is actually doing something in our lives. Theologian Dallas Willard said it, says it this way, solitude frees us actually. The normal course of day-to-day human interaction lock us into patterns of feeling, thought, and action that are geared to a world set against God. Nothing but solitude can allow the development of a freedom from the ingrained behaviors that hinder our integration into God's order. Similar to fasting, silence and solitude deprive us of the things that we're accustomed to. In this case, they deprive us of our self reliance If you struggle with self-reliance, not thinking about God throughout your day, only thinking about the efficiency and the things that you need to do, you need to do some silence and solitude. Dropping the rope, just saying, no, I'm not trying to accomplish anything right now. I'm just getting alone. They deprive us of our normal tactics to distract ourselves from our brokenness and our shame. They say, hey, your only refuge is the Lord. They put you into contact with God. They create space for him to actually show up and start to reshape you. We were made for this. We were made for rhythms of silence and solitude. This pace of life that Jesus uh, exemplified and invites us into. But it's actually impossible for us to do this on our own. It's impossible for us to resist the pull of noise and hurry. It feels too unrealistic, and it probably is based off of where we live and what we value. Our identities, our lives are just built around self-reliance and distraction. We need help. We need Jesus. Jesus is our model for this pace of life, but he's actually more than that. He's our bridge into this way of life. He makes it possible for us. Our sins of self-reliance, self-absorption, and shame keep us tied to noise and hurry. We end up elevating ourselves as gods, only thinking about what we want to do, and it doesn't work. You need more than an example. You need freedom. You need a Savior. A life marked by silence and solitude Has to be built on a foundation of the gospel or it won't work. Are you scared of slowing down that you're gonna fall behind? You need to see that your worth and your value are secured in Christ and Christ alone. Not in what you do, not in what you bring to the table, but in what he has already done for you. Are you afraid if you just stop for a second, that your future isn't gonna be secure, that you're not gonna be okay? You need to see that your future is secure because of Jesus and what he has done for you and the future that he has secured for you. You need to see that your future is secure because of the promises of God and because of who he is and how he knows every hair on your head and loves you. Are you scared of missing out or being left out? In Christ, the God of the universe chose you to be his adopted child. You're seen, you're known, and you're loved. That's actually the only identity that's worth living out of. Are you afraid of getting alone and, and facing your past, and f- reliving memories and feeling those deep lies and the shame? You need to remember that God is with you, that He's your comforter, that He's actually clothed you in His righteousness, that you're His adopted kid who He clothes in His righteousness and He calls holy and blameless in His sight. The gospel frees us up to reject the pace of life that our culture demands us to live in. It frees us up to reject and resist being conformed into just people that value efficiency, productivity, and noise. We instead get to slow down, withdraw to seek God's voice and where he's moving in our lives. We seek him as our refuge and we reset our lives and rebuild them around Him because of the foundation that we have of His grace and His love. And as we do this, we actually repent. We repent from our self-reliance. We repent from our self-absorption. And what starts to happen is transformational. We become satisfied. We become connected to God. Silence and solitude are not spiritual luxuries that are reserved for the introverted. They are essential practices for every disciple of Jesus who wants to bring a transformational presence into their lives, into the lives of their family members, networks, and neighborhoods. They are essential practices for us. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you so much that by your grace and your grace alone, do we get to to follow you and know you that you clothe us in your righteousness, that you you just view life differently than us. And that's a good thing. Help us to view it as you do. Help us to value the things that you do. Help us to step into these practices this week, into silence and solitude. We pray that they would break a lot of our chains to, to our noise and to hurriedness and that they would slow us down in a way where we actually see you and encounter you. Pray, God, that you would use it to reshape us and form us and the people that you desire us to be. In your name, amen.